podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Chris Sprouse, uh, artist on Tom Strong, Multiversity, and lots of other stuff, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 265! I just felt like going higher and higher. Yeah, we're, we're talking because comics. like it took us through only a Herculean effort were we able to talk about comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, September 21st. Probably the 21st, we're not even sure. My name is Matt Baum, you can find me at Matt Baumstein on Twitter. Sitting across from me, you know him, you love him, you may not have ever heard of him. But you're about to. His name's Joe Patrick. Yeah. He's the other head in this. Joe, where do they find you on the I'm Twitter? I'm Joe Patrick. Uh, my name is Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. That's where you can find me. Of course, you can also follow the show at Two Headed Nerd, where I do a lot of tweeting. Sometimes I tweet about Dancing with the Stars. <sighs> Sometimes I tweet about video games. Sometimes uh, I even tweet about comics. See, I understand how Twitter works, so I'll do that from my Twitter handle. In this week's episode, nobody cares. You'll hear our reviews of Detective Comics 940 and Doom Patrol number one because nothing happened this week, apparently. Apparently. No, we missed a show last week and these we comics We came seeing this big. week, but these comics came out two weeks ago. <laughs> they came out the week before Wednesday yeah. the 21st. But they were so big we had to discuss them. After that, we're going to take a break from our debate prep. Please don't throw your vote away on our nerdocrat BS, guys, okay? When we review 10 more of this week's comics during the ludicrous speed round, then visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Joe and I are thumbing through the Book of the Vishanti and using it to find the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, Joe and I are going to flip our adult attention deficit disorder, The Bird, when we sit down to review an entire graphic novel. That's right, we're talking about Angel Catbird. See what I did there? Bird, bird. <laughs> During our Take a Look, it's in a book segment. But before we start washing the Gotham Season 4 premiere and the MacGyver premiere out of our mouths with handfuls of pain pills washed down with whiskey. So bad. Paid for by our donors. Let's ignore this week's presidential debates altogether and get ready to binge watch Luke Cage. Hey, 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 that's next week's show. I know, I know. <laughs> and then we can talk about this week's <laughs> Okay, so, okay. Uh, you know, we're going to dance around some news that happened over the last couple weeks. Yeah, that's fine. All right. We got to discuss. So more details have been released about Marvel's upcoming Monsters Unleashed. The title will feature Marvel's superheroes versus an all-star lineup of classic Marvel monsters in the first crossover event to happen post-Civil War II. Good Ooh. thing they've already got this planned. Oh, uh, Okay. If Civil War II ends by then, I heard yeah, it went right. back to December. Already, right. So, well, they have until January because that's when Monsters Unleashed is scheduled to begin. <laughs> yeah, well. it's going to be a five-issue bi-weekly event. That means every other week in the comics business, and the event kicks off with a surprise attack on the Marvel Universe by a variety of monsters, including Fin Fang Foom and recent good guys like Groot and Devil Dinosaur. What's up with that? It will be written by Cullen Bunn. Everybody's favorite go-to. Yeah, I can do it guy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> hey, and God bless him. With each issue drawn by a different artist, ranging from Steve McNiven to Linnell Francis Yu, Adam Kubert, Salvador LaRocca, and Greg Land. <laughs> hey, but you know what? He's drawing big monsters. Yeah. So 
Yeah, and yeah. I will say, recently we have both said that Land has done some work where we went, hey, that's not bad. He, he has toned it down a little. I guess that's true. Yeah. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, editor Mark Panizia said, quote, Our goal is to cram as many mammoth monsters of Marvel into Monsters Unleashed as will fit on the page. If you've got a personal favorite, chances are very good. You'll see them causing some mayhem in this series. <clears throat> and if your word will forget one, don't be afraid to tweet at us at Marvel using the hashtag Monsters Unleashed. So make <laughs> okay. your monster request. There you go. Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso promised an appearance from every giant monster from Marvel's back catalog, saying, quote, If there ever were a monster who stood 10 stories high or taller and created mayhem in the Marvel Universe over the last several decades, they're going to be in the story, end quote. Sorry, you monsters that are one to nine stories. Sorry about that. No short monsters allowed. <laughs> Matt, now that we know a little bit more about Monsters Unleashed, what are your thoughts? Okay, I've said a lot of... Stuff about Cullen Bunn working at Marvel and how boring he can be. But, I mean, I don't know. The way this is being described, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Big, goofy monster fights. Yeah, and if they let know? him... And I'm not saying the stuff that he writes at Marvel is terrible. I've just never thought it was great. Maybe they're just going to let him just go nuts here. And if it turns out to just be giant monsters attack Marvel U and the heroes who have been fighting each other forever have to get together and fight these giant monsters as one, yeah, that could be a really good time. You know? Yeah. So here's a quote from Cullen Bunn quote. It's an all hands on deck situation. Imagine something like the Hulk only much bigger with the destructive force. These creatures have the heroes will have to mobilize much more quickly. They find themselves very quickly in a situation where they have no downtime. They have no chance to take a breath. They're moving constantly against what are essentially cataclysmic threats over and over and over again. Yeah. And they go on to mention like, Characters like Luke Cage and Deadpool and Darkhawk. The return even. of Darkhawk. <laughs> pro- so it's not just going to be the heavy hitters going up against, you know, giant monsters while everybody else is in their street level story, not paying any attention to the monster attack. Right. This is going to hit everybody. And that's kind of fun. That's an interesting way. Like, wh- what does Darkhawk do against a giant monster? I have no idea. Right. What does Luke Cage do for that and matter? It does sound like that this takes place in continuity because they yeah. talk about it taking place post civil war two and how the heroes are going to have to put their differences aside. Uh, but they also go on to say that if readers are unfamiliar with recent Marvel continuity, you can easily jump in with no prior knowledge of all the ins and outs. Just come in, have a good time. All right, let's go for it. Giant monsters attack. All right. Monsters unleashed is scheduled to begin in January, 2017 and Axel Alonso promises there probably won't be that many branded tie-in issues. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> Thanks, Axel. In other Marvel news, the publisher announced a pair of ongoing titles for two fan-favorite characters, Hawkeye and the Hulk. Sort of, kind of. <laughs> Hawkeye will star Clint Merton's former partner, young Avenger Kate Bishop, in her first ever solo series. Written by Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero and Georgia Belair, who we love. The series picks up with Kate moving back to Venice Beach to work as a superhero private eye in the wake of Clint Barton killing Bruce Banner. Spoilers. Sorry about that. In an interview with io9, Thompson compared the new title to Veronica Mars with superheroes and hopefully starring someone who's not as hateable as Veronica Mars herself. Hey. And said, quote, our series is definitely a spiritual successor to what Matt Fraction and Annie Wu began when they brought Kate to L.A. What did you think of Jeff Lemire's Hawkeye? I didn't read it. Any of it? They've relaunched so many times. Yeah, it's it gets confusing. The most recent one was him. And I read Kate the, the and, first couple issues with him 
flashing back with yes. his brother yes. in the circus by Ramon Perez. And Kate was in the future as an older woman talking I about didn't, this I terrible didn't catch, okay. I didn't read all that. It was good. Uh, well, I read the first few issues of the series where they rescued those mutant kids. Right. So that was like the previous volume. Well, that led into the next story. It yeah. was good. What I'm saying is this seems like the next logical place to go. I like, I'm excited for this. Me too. Because I think they keep trying to capture that lightning in a bottle that they had with Fractions Hawkeye. And I don't know that you're going to again. Right. And the whole like elevator pitch, Veronica Mars with superheroes is it's going to be the sort of thing that puts some people on edge at first. I happen to really enjoy Veronica Mars. No, I liked Veronica Mars. I just don't like that actress at all. She, I liked everybody else on the show. She has I a name, can't Matt. stand her. She has a name. I don't know it. What's her name? I don't know it. I honestly can't say it. It's Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Thank you. Yeah, I do not like Kristen Bell. <laughs> Hulk is going to be by writer Mariko Tamaki and artist Nico Leon. It's going to deal with Jennifer Walters' life-threatening injuries from the opening scenes of Civil War II, as well as the assassination of her cousin, Bruce Banner. Spoilers! Speaking to the AV Club, Tamaki said Jen would be shaped by the trauma that she's experienced. Marvel editor-in-chief... Axel Alonso, we talk about him a lot, spoke about the decisions to drop the she from the She-Hulk, saying, quote, the title She-Hulk evokes lighthearted stories about Jennifer Walters, who's at peace with herself in full control of her powers. This isn't that book. On the other hand, the title Hulk implies all of the baggage that comes with the comic's 50-plus year history, the ongoing battle with the monster within, yada, yada, yada. Mariko Nico's story... Hulk stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Mariko Nico's story is going to deal with the fallout of Jen's trauma, the anxiety and anger, sometimes self-destructive nature that comes along with it. If there is a light at the end of the tunnel, Jen's going to have to search hard for it. And she's going to have to battle with some pretty big monsters, but maybe not giant ones like we were talking about earlier. That's a different book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here's a, a lot of people got pissed about this when the solicit came out. Yeah. I see them working both sides here. I like... The idea of saying Hulk starring Jen Walters. That's cool because I love Jen Walters and I yeah. love the she Hulk. And I like to say, we're, look, we're dropping the she because she's just going to be the Hulk for a while. Well, I know it's all marketing at the end of the day, sure. but I really liked Alonzo's reasoning. Yeah. Where he said, look, she Hulk means a certain thing. Right. And this is not that thing. Yeah. And I get that. And they're separating it. But then a lot of people are saying, screw that. That's not my Jen Walters. And you're trying to like make an empowered female book, but it's about this broken woman. And like, no, I don't see it that well, way. I, I, I yeah. think I kind of see it's it like as humanizing. Her people suffer trauma all the time. Yeah. And the story of battling back from trauma is compelling. Yes. Whether you're male or female yeah. or whatever. And it, when it happens to superheroes, sometimes it's even more compelling. Right. And I personally, I think, you know, they've done the lighthearted She-Hulk thing for yeah. a long, long time now, and it's always great. For uh, 12 issues but until it, it gets just, canceled. it just, they can't get it to stick. Uh -huh. And as much as I love it, I'm I'm kind of okay with them saying, you know what, we're going to try a different, a different tactic. I have no problem with it. When Charles Soule's She-Hulk went away, I thought, well, f that's... Yeah, we're done. She-Hulk's, we're never going to see She-Hulk again, because, or, like, she's going to be relegated to guest appearances and backups for the In next funny 20 books. years yeah, uh, because they tried so hard to make that book stick and it failed. Now they're saying, no, Jennifer Walters is a main character in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Not only is she an important character in the Marvel universe in the Marvel universe, but she's a headliner. Yeah. And I think it's great. I think both of these books sound good. I think they were kind of unexpected surprises in the Marvel solicits this uh, past week. And so I'm excited to check them out. Mariko Tamaki is a graphic novelist. Uh, she's better known as a graphic novelist. She put out the book uh, th That One Summer. 
I've, which, I've, I've heard of it. Uh, I have she's not read got it. a lot of acclaim and buzz behind her. I'm excited to see what she does in the superhero universe. Why don't we read that for our next Take a look at the uh, book. Because it came out like two or three years ago. So what? This is a new story. She's up there. We want to check it out before this new Hulk thing starts. Or maybe. Let's do it. Maybe. I think we read. Because we read old stuff too. Now, Matt, this is a story from a couple weeks ago, but it's too bizarre not to discuss even just briefly. It is a story whose time has come. You're right. 20th Century Fox has announced plans to create an action adventure film based on the highly fictionalized version of the life of Stan Lee. Finally. The Hollywood Reporter He's says... He's going to be married to Pamela Anderson. <laughs> According to The Hollywood Reporter, Lee sold his life rights to Fox. Really great move, Stan. <laughs> so if it fails, could they unplug him? You know? <laughs> they are going to make an adventure film in the style of James Bond about J- uh, Jim Lee, about Stan Lee. I can't imagine what this is going to look like he's got a long history of over exaggerating his own role in history right. in real life right uh, this seems a little bit far even for him well and i don't get it i don't get it at all because they, if you want to say this is a movie about a comic creator who is like probably stan lee you know but not coming out and naming him then you can touch on this spider character that he made and this norse god character that he made but fox doesn't have the rights to any of that right so what are they gonna do are they right. only gonna talk about the x-men what are they gonna yeah. do or the ff yeah i don't know right i mean that's the thing that i don't understand at all why not just do a fictional story about stan Leibowitz, you know or something like you know or so my question is is it is he gonna have like a plucky sidekick that's based on Jack Kirby? Yeah, or like his tech guy. There's no way, or they, his arch nemesis. There's even no way. The Kirby Kirby's estate, Ditko certainly is not gonna let. Them oh hell no! God, he's mad enough as it is. I I don't get this at all. Yeah, we're gonna make a serialized television adaptation. Oh, I said Siri, and my phone activated. If they're going to make a TV adaptation, a dramatization of the life of Stan Lee and Marvel Comics, and it was going to be like Madman style warts and all. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like smoking in the bullpen. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Uh, stabbing each other in the back, sleeping with each other's wives. But that's and that not sort what of this shit. is. I know, but I would be so into that. This is ludicrous. Yeah, there's no writers, no director, no actors, and no release date. I, okay, nerd bet. I'm calling it right now. I'm this, not taking this, this bet. This does not see the light of day. I'm not taking that bet because okay. I don't think it's going to see the light yeah. of day either. No f- way. Just pretend I never had That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything else we chose to ignore, hit us up on our Facebook page, huh? Or the Two-Headed Nerd Forums in the big news section. Joe Patrick, Quick casting. Who plays Stanley? Uh oh shit! I'm really bad at this stuff. Brian Cranston, John Hamm. <laughs> okay, why not? I like Cranston. That's a good call. I like that. Every Sunday, the Jack Kirby to my Stanley post the question of the week in everyone's favorite digital nerd sanctuary. Joey, does that mean I do all the work and you get all the credit? Exactly. Yes. What are we asking the nerds this week? Hey, ladies and gentlemen. We have a Goocher. Put it together, folks. Huh? All right. A Goocher. Just for those who don't know, Goocher, two in a row. Three in a row. Boom. It's like a turkey in bowling. This week's question comes again from D. Murray, who has been lighting up the forums with killer suggestions. 
this week. D asks, what is your favorite fictional vehicle? I can't believe we've never had this question before. Have we never? Done never. This? Wow. Now, originally, D specified superhero automobiles, but we don't want a dozen answers all about yeah, the Batmobile. Yeah. yeah. So we're broadening our scope. Fictional vehicles and feel free to stray away from comics. Yeah, go toy. Like, maybe you love the J.I. Joe Wombat. Troop carrier. Anything? The Millennium Falcon. Yeah. That's an easy that? answer I'm sure that we'll get. She-Ra's horse. Arguably not a vehicle. That's a vehicle. Drove her around. Right? Living being. <laughs> if you give me a piggyback <laughs> ride, are you a vehicle? Yes. All right. <laughs> you have until... We're a little late this week, folks, so pay attention. You have until 5 o'clock Central Standard Time this coming Friday, September 30th. But you should have been on the forums looking at this before that. I posted this yeah. a while ago. No excuse, suckers. You can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 and leave us a message. If you're not busy giving somebody a piggyback ride, you can send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Whatever you do, keep it under two minutes. You'll get cut off. One answer, please. You don't list off your top five. No. I know it's all in fun. Yeah. But guys, one answer. Describe it. Boom. Share hit us with it. Air. Hit us hard. If you need more time, if you want to rattle off your top 100 favorite fictional vehicles, go to the THN forums. We have a question of the week section. You can go crazy. Then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the Answer of the Week podcast. It's our favorite show to do. It is. It is. Why does he get called a piggyback ride? Mainly because we drink during it. People don't ride pigs. Maybe they used to. No. I don't know. You don't know. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> you weren't there. <laughs> I'm not saying I was there. It's review time in the cigarette where Matt and I ignore our screaming political advisors for the next 10 minutes to discuss two of this week's comics. Or in this case, two of last week's comics. Sure. Hey, against my lawyer's advice, <laughs> I'm releasing my review of this week's comics. That's pretty good. That Thank was you. pretty good. <laughs> Matt Baum, what are you reviewing? This week, I am talking about Doom Patrol number one from DC slash Young Animal, not Vertigo. Written by Gerard Way with art by Nick Darrington. 32 pages for $3.99. Now, normally, in my reviews on this show... I start with some quippy remarks about the writer's past work or some insight into the character's past. Usually it's hilarious, too, because I'm f great at this and humble, too. <laughs> but today, in the interest of keeping my reviews fresh and unpredictable, that and I am still trying to wrap my head around what I read. I'm starting with the art. Nick Darrington is awesome, like Ramon K. Perez or Gabriel Baugh and Fabio Moon. Awesome. His thin line minimalist cartoon style is perfect for this weird little book. He even switches art style for a completely bizarre sequence featuring Robot Man fighting an iron-fisted government ruling oh, inside yeah. of a gyro. And yes, that is part of the story. <laughs> we'll get there. I loved Derek Din's art here and couldn't believe I didn't know his name. His style brought an almost Wes Anderson feel to Gerard Way's script. My favorite page featured Dr. Niles Calder. There's no dialogue. <laughs> it's like, what's up with the chief? Yeah, it just says, what's up with Dr. Niles Calder? Dr. Calder is sitting in his wheelchair behind two synthesizers in a wooded area playing a tone that one shows a little musical note and the next one shows a fly. <laughs> I guess it's buzzing. Who knows? I don't know. Look. I'm just going to come out and say it. Gerard Way is smarter than us. Like Grant Morrison level is smart. Is he though? Is he? And this story is weird as hell. It starts with a plucky EMT discovering Cliff Steele, Robot Man, after he destroys a world. 
living in her partner's gyros. Not gyros, gyros. Gyros. From there, her roommate gets exploded by a mass singing telegram. And there's a murder mystery, I think. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who knows the Doom Patrol knows to expect the weird <laughs> and wowed his way to live here. But I have to ask myself, is this too weird? I'm giving DC props for even thinking about giving Gerard Way a corner of their universe. But immediately after reading this, I found myself wondering if I liked it. From there, I had to wonder if I'm coming back just because of Darrington's art, because the only thing that grabbed me, an old school Doom Patrol fan like me, was the brief appearances of Robot Man and Dr. Niles Calder. I guess what I'm coming at this is it was hard enough to grab me, who likes the Doom Patrol, with this weird little story. Yeah. How could you possibly, as someone who doesn't know anything about the Doom Patrol, has no history in them, I'm not sure you could pick this issue up and be interested other than going that was weird i am predicting that i will like this a few issues from now but as of issue one i'm more confused than interested and i gotta wonder how does this interest a new reader at all i can only give this a skimming i see where you're coming from and i agree i couldn't hang with graham morrison's doom control after a certain point like oh it definitely it definitely trailed into the absolutely bizarre it started you know, closer to Graham Morrison's JLA. Yeah. And then it just gradually got stranger and stranger and stranger. And yeah. Um, and I was younger when I tried to read it, so maybe I should revisit it. But at the time, I got a couple trades in. And I was like, ah, you know, I just don't know if I'm enjoying myself. This book, I enjoyed it. I like I had fun reading it other than a brief appearance, like you said, by Robot Man and the chief on one page. I found it completely unrecognizable as anything related to the Doom Patrol. Yeah. And again, it's the first issue and that's fine. So we will see. I just don't know if introducing a new character like this is the way to go. I think the Doom Patrol has been gone long enough that you can just reset the Doom Patrol. Right. But it's clear that they don't want to do like a traditional take on the yeah, Doom I, Patrol. And I got, trust me, I got that. My biggest issue with the book was not how bizarrely it's told because I kind of expected that. Yeah. My main issue with the book is that I didn't really get a clear sense of the book's mission statement. Like, right. I didn't know what the book was about. It was just weird to be weird. And I'm sure we'll get there. Probably. But as a first issue, I put it down and I had kind of a similar reaction where I went, well, I just don't, I don't know. Because it's hard to even fathom what they're going to do. Yeah. And so I'm giving it a skimmit as well, though I did really like the art. And I am going to keep reading it for a while. Cool. And give the and give it a chance to kind of come together. Right now, I don't under I don't really uh, know how anybody coming in cold is going to be dazzled by it. Sure. Joe Patrick, let's go to something that had a little more straightforward narrative. What'd you review this week? It did. This week, I'm going to talk about Detective Comics number 940. It's from DC Comics, written by James Tinney in the fourth. Pencils by Eddie Barrows, inks by Eber Ferreira, and colors by Adriano Lucas. It's 32 pages for $2.99. I'm just going to say this right at the top. I know that this book's been out for a while and that the spoilers are everywhere. And that every time you look at an article on Newsarama or Bleeding Cool or Comic Book Resources, even the headlines give away yeah. too much. It's t it's Look, full spoilers here. We just have No, no, no. I'm, no, I don't. And I won't. Me? I'm really? not going to talk about the spoilers. I don't want to. I'm not going to. Maybe I will. No. Watch this. <laughs> I wasn't even planning on talking about this book at all. 
not even in the ludicrous speed round because I just reviewed number 939. Right. And of course, there were a lot of rumors swirling around at that time about a certain character, one of my all time favorite DC characters. And so last issue's cliffhanger made this my most anticipated book of the week. Again, I'm not going to talk about any spoilers. The sorry websites that pass as comics journalism did plenty of that on the day the book was released. So I'm just going to talk about how this book made me feel. Late last year, we did an answer of the week about comics that make us cry. When I opened it up, I was like, ooh. And then I got to the third page and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Late last year, we did an answer of the week about comics that made us cry. I struggled and came up with an answer, but it was, you know, frankly, I kind of just winged it. Faked uh, it. You mean faked it. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it's very rare for me to have an emotional reaction when I read comics, I don't know if it's because it's because we're old, hard bastards. Uh, maybe it's that, but, that is. but maybe it's also because like it's all right there in your hand. Yeah. So it's kind of difficult for me as a, as my particular type of reader well, to be surprised. We've, we've seen it all, baby. But when I read this comic, I lost it. Tinian and Barrows have been telling the story of the colony, a secret black ops military organization patterned after the Bat family and their leader, Jacob Kane's plan to recruit his daughter, Kate, a.k.a. Batwoman, to his cause. All that stands between Kane and his literal army are Batman and his handful of lieutenants, specifically Tim Drake, who has managed to reprogram Kane's drone fleet to focus on one single target, him. All of the featured characters get a moment to shine, from a Batman who has lost control of the situation, to Tim, who is ready to make the ultimate sacrifice to save lives, and just when you think the story is over, it isn't. Tinian and crew take an unexpected left turn that makes you question everything you had just read and everything that's going to come. Visually, I thought this book was absolutely top notch. Eddie Barrows and his artistic collaborators have consistently delivered one of the best looking DC books on the stands. Barrows, Ferreira and Lucas excel at the big action moments and the quieter emotional beats. I also think they are working together so well that you don't notice who is doing what. It is. It flows really, really well. There's no breaks. There's no sudden change. Like they have yeah, uh, really done a nice job together to make this feel cohesive. So this is the fifth or sixth issue. Gosh, it may even have been the seventh issue. This is Rise of the Batman 6? Part 7. Part yeah. Seven. yeah. And I don't... I couldn't tell you... And it's come out every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tell you whether or not Eddie Barrows took any of those issues off. Yeah. Because it visually just looks so consistent. Yeah, you wouldn't notice. Like I said at the beginning of the review, this issue hit me right where it hurts. Specifically, there's a scene towards the end between Batman and Spoiler that is so, so powerful. I would argue it's the first time we've ever seen him be nice to her. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and that's where it hit me hardest. Detective 940 is full of twists and turns, and the story is far from over, but this issue hits on so many emotional beats so perfectly. If I were to give out my golden bebo for best single issue right now, this might take home that prize. Okay, we'll put that in your notes. So you I remember. did. <laughs> I already did. I put it in my notes. Now, I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. Detective Comics is absolutely the best book being published as part of DC Rebirth. This is a huge buy-it for me. I'm giving it a huge buy-it, too. I think Detective Comics right now is the best team book on the stands. 
period. Marvel, DC, Image. I'm saying it's the best team book on the stands. Yeah, okay. It's fantastic. Absolutely. And I'm excited to read Batman comics again, and it's mainly because of this one. I agree. You know, uh, Tom King's Batman is good. It's good. And it's I good. enjoy it. And All-Star Batman is getting a lot of press, and that's fine. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. But man, Detective has just been head and shoulders it's, above all the rest of them. It's my, it. every, every week it comes out, it is my most anticipated. And I never thought a team Batman book would work, but it's working. It's great. I'm giving it a buy. It too. You guys should definitely check it out. Don't start with this issue. No. <laughs> and don't read anything else in the DCU until you read this issue. Oh, uh, you guys already know everything that I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. Critique and sell my baby. So that's a double skim it for Doom Patrol number one and a double buy it for Detective Comics 940. Now it's time for you, Giro Dwelling Heroes and Slain. No. Ha Told you. <laughs> now it's now it's time for you, Giro Dwelling Heroes and Bat themed vigilantes to play critics. So head over to the THN forums. They're at thnforums.boards.net and tell us what you thought of these comics. Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't notice and you would just read it. And be like, Told you. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of talk in the media about an October surprise in the presidential race. And Joe and I are thrilled to break the news here. We're running for president as the first two-headed candidate. Of course, I'll be the presidential candidate that speaks the policy and tells the hard truth, while Joe acts as my adorable baby-kissing vice. So, I'm into it. Jump on board our tour, Winnebago, the Eagle Five, as we cruise across the nation, spreading our nerdocrat values in an attempt to make America nerdy again, while we review ten more of this week's New comics! Not last week's! This week's! During the Ludicrous Speed Round! I'm pretty sure some of these are from last week's. Ludicrous too. Speed! Go! Seven to Eternity, number one from Image. If I wasn't going to talk about Doom Patrol, this was going to be my main review for this week. Rick Remender and Jerome Pena reunite to tell this massive post-apocalyptic story set in a world of magic and secrets where a despotic king rules with a whisper that forces his enemies to kill each other. One family has survived the carnage by refusing to fight at all, but now they're being forced to take a side. Opinia has been an amazing artist for years, but now it seems he somehow improved. This first issue was huge, and it fleshed out a terrifying world that I need to know more about. Seven to Eternity was the best thing I've read in a while. I'm giving it a buy it. Animosity number two from Aftershock. The animals have gained sentience, and man, are they pissed! Marguerite Bennett and Raphael De La Torre present the story of Sandor the Basset Hound. See what they did there? And his human family fighting for survival in the wake of this animal apocalypse. And things are getting even more dangerous now because when faced with the impossible, the humans are starting to lose their f This book is like a kick straight in the gut, especially the final pages, and I love it! Beautiful art by De La Torre. It's beautiful. Animosity number two gets a huge buy-it. Britannia number one from Valiant. I praised Juan Jose's rips work back when he was at Avatar drawing stuff too scary for Joe Patrick's eyes. Gross. Well, he's even better here working on the story of Roman detective Antonius Axia, who has been sent to apply his deductive reasoning to something in the North that defies reason. Writer Peter Milligan weaves historical fiction with the cult with great success. Britannia was a pleasant surprise and gets a buy-it. Does this have anything to do with the Valiant Universe? I don't know yet. I, it might just be a standalone story. I don't know. Yeah. Probably does. The Forevers, number one, Black Mask. 
According to the solicit for this book, quote, Five friends struggling on the brink of stardom sacrifice everything in a black magic pact that brings them all the wealth and glamour they ever wanted. Years later, though, the glow is fading. When you got that glow. But when one of them dies and they feel a surge of magic rise amongst them, they soon, <laughs> they soon realize that they all share in the power of the glow. And when a member of the group decides to kill the rest and claim the glow for their own, they suddenly find themselves fighting for their lives. End quote. All I can think of is the last dragon. Yeah. Barry Gordy's last dragon. <laughs> it would have been nice if even some of that were evident in the actual story. Instead, Kurt Pyers delivers 32 pages of completely unlikable characters being deplorable to each other. So when one of them gets murdered, the one thing from the solicit that the book actually delivers on, there's no reason at all to care. The painted art by Eric Pfeiffer is okay, but it's also so beholden to the photo reference of real celebrities that it is a complete distraction. I've liked other books by Pyres in the past, but I'm not even interested in sticking around for another issue to see if this book hooks me. Wow. The Forever's number one did absolutely nothing for me. It's a leave it. He's pissed. I, it, I did not like it. Hadrian's Wall, number one from Image. It was inevitable that, like Leprechaun, Friday the 13th, and Hellraiser franchises, comic book crime noir would end up in outer space. Writer Kyle Higgins and artist Rod Rice take their murder mystery complete with a pill-popping detective and a scorned widow that just happens to be his ex-wife. It's a solid premise with a good enough hook, but Rod Rice's washed-out Phil Noto-style art is the real star here. Hadrian's Wall, while not having the best dialogue at times, was compelling and really good-looking. I'm giving it a bite. Revolution, number one from IDW. It's the Hasbro Universe mashup you didn't know you wanted, and maybe you're still not sure. Action Man, G.I. Joe, the Transformers, the Micronauts, Mask, I'm sorry, Mamama Mask, and Rom come together in an action-packed case of mistaken identity that leads to all-out war. It's goofy fun on a base level, and the art by Fico Osio is pretty good, but the story by John Barber and Cullen Bunn requires certain characters that should know better to act in some pretty irresponsible ways in order for the story to progress. Like, Scarlet can't have a five-minute conversation with Optimus Prime before they start firing rockets at each other. Well, Superman can't have a 30-second conversation with Batman before they try and murder each other, so... It's silly, but it makes the kid in me squeal a little. Revolution number one gets a skim it. Black Panther number six for Marvel. Black Panther number six is the first part of the second story arc of the fall of Wakanda. Stay with me here. Ta-Nehisi Coates is doing a fantastic job on this comic. The people that are criticizing it are saying he's writing too much. I could not argue more with that. Black Panther is in a more impressive and interesting spot than he's been in for years. Stelfer is, is not on art here, but Chris Sprouse is. Oh. I love Chris Sprouse. Me too. This book gets better with every issue. I'm giving Black Panther a gigantic buy it. Shut up, haters. Rom number three from IDW. We missed our opportunity to review ROM when it came out back in July. Did we skip her? We didn't (laughs) skip it. We were on hiatus. All right, all right. But I had to get caught up in time for Revolution. Superfan Chris Royale and Christos Gage have excised the Space Knight from the Marvel Universe and reworked some of those lost elements in a fun way. The dire wraiths are super creepy and their invasion slash conspiracy 
seems a lot more overwhelming than it felt when I was reading ROM as a kid. Maybe I just was a kid and didn't really get it. Maybe it feels that way until Marvel takes them back. We'll see. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Mike Messina's art, and he does his usual outstanding work here. It's not the ROM I loved when I was little, but Rayal and company are creating their own mythology with this revival, and I'd say, so far, so good. ROM number three gets a buy it. I give it a meh. I think it's good. Meh. It's, def- it's better than Revolution, for sure. Fine. Raven, number one from DC. I admit I don't know much about Raven outside of what I've seen from her in the cartoons. So, this was a nice reintroduction to the character with wonderful art by Allison Borges and Blonde. Yeah. <laughs> okay, which I guess Blonde just has one name. It looks like Raven's dad, Trigon, is going to be a major part of her story in the latest DCU, and he should be. Here, Raven has gone to live with her aunt after something happened in the pages of Titans. Something or other? Titans search? Titans, Titans hunt? Titans hunt. Okay. I didn't feel lost here, though, and I haven't been following any of the Titan stuff. And I will say, I've kicked him around a lot lately by the story by Marv Wolfman, felt fresh. Creator of Raven. And young. Raven number one gets a buy it. Trinity number one from, from DC. Francis Manipole flies solo on this team book, reuniting Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman for the first time. Lois Lane brings the new slash old Superman together with a pair of iconic heroes that were his best friends in his past life, but are little more than strangers now. This was a wonderful story about family and friendship and a shared history that only one member of the trio remembers. It's really interesting what they do. Manipul's script is lighthearted and touching, and his art is completely stunning as usual. I loved Trinity number one. Huge buy it. That is your ludicrous speed run. Blast! Is your onomatopoeia of the week, and the sound of an annoying roommate exploding, as seen in the pages of Doom Patrol number one. If you want even more reviews of this week's comics, head over to twoheadednerd.com and check out Aaron Meyer's ludicrous speed reviews. There's a guy that knows something about explosions. You can pick up these and all the rest of this week's new comics through our handy dandy Amazon button at Two Headed Nerd. One of you jerks bought. An Xbox Slim. We made like 10 bucks off that. You know who you are. It was awesome. Thank you so very much. It really does help. And you don't have to buy comics. You can buy whatever you want. Just go there, click through it. You totally gave them our percentage. (laughs) I gave them what our percentage rate. Whatever. Who cares? I don't know. It's a great way to get your funny books and support our show. It's time once again to enter the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Matt and I use arcane magics and super science to divine the future of next week's comics. Matt, I think the vision of the fifth host of Yadur from the Book of the Shanti ought to do the trick. Nice pronunciation of Yadur. Thank you. What is your must-read pick for next week? Next week. I have to read Mask Revolution number one. Mobile Armored Strike Command with a K. From IDW, written by Brandon Easton, with art by Tony Vargas, who I really like. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. The origin of M-A-S-K! Exclamation point. Miles Mayhem's decades-long plans are finally coming to fruition. But with the revealed secrets he has hidden from Matt Tracker, create a new enemy bent on Mayhem's undoing? A special story tying directly into revolution! I don't care about revolution. But I would like to see a fun mask comic, and uh, yeah, 
hopefully they can divorce it from this other crap later. I don't know. We'll it's see. It's fine. Revolution is fun. There's already like four Transformers universes running in IDW. It's this all, might be number five. It's all one universe now, baby. Six. Six counting Tom Scioli's G.A. Joe versus Transformers. That is out of continuity. <laughs> What's your must-read pick? Next week, my pick is Josie and the Pussycats, number one from Archie Comics, written by Marguerite Bennett and Cameron Diordio, with art by Audrey Mock. That was pause was to acknowledge that I'm not sure if I pronounced that name right. Uh, there's no way. <laughs> it's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Grab the latest Cheerfire Top of the Charts new Riverdale series. Friends, countrymen, lend me your long tails and ears for hats. It's a line from Josie and the Pussycats theme song. Oh, 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 gotcha. The Pussycats are back in this series kickoff. Josie's getting the band together to help achieve her dreams of musical stardom. But for the group to last, it needs a strong foundation of friendship and trust. Can the girls get going or will Alexandra's plotting put a stop to the whole thing? Don't miss comics. Supreme Sunstresses return to the limelight in this exciting first issue. God, I'm like Harry Carey having such a hard time reading that. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, Look, I've talked about it on the show before. I think Justin and the Pussycats are great. Oh, boy. And I love Marguerite Bennett. And the the art uh, by Audrey Mock looks really good. And yeah, another great entry into the Archie revival series. You're going to make me review this, aren't you? We'll see. We'll see. All right. The DJ trade of the week goes to Light, the hardcover from Buno. Buno? Buno? Bunyo? Bunno. From Bunno Magnetic Press, written and illustrated by Rob Sham. 104 pages, 1999. It's a hardcover. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your solicit. A pair of adventurers embark on an epic quest to collect five magic gems from deep inside the earth. And bring them to the surface to return color to the world. On the way, they carry firelit torches through secret places and endless passages. Swim in crystal clear waters, encounter strange beasts, and meet strange and mysterious hermits. Re- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Writer and artist Rob Sham creates beautiful and vivid illustrations that gradually evolve from black and white subterranean worlds to bright colorscapes. This inspiring all-ages story recalls retro video games and role-playing games. Creating a one-of-a-kind mythos of magic lands and mischievous creatures. Why'd so, you pick this? Uh, I picked this because this is the first book to be published by Ulysses Farinas's oh. new company, Buño. Oh, awesome. That uh, guy is being put out in conjunction talented. with Magnetic Press. There are, and I apologize to his uh, his publishing partners whose names I am forgetting, but he's sort of the figurehead for this. They're little people, Joe. That's not how I mean it. We don't it. need you them. Know, I, they don't they're count. all important. Give me a break. But Rich yeah, people this... are going to do so much for comic books, Joe. <laughs> Rich people are going to do wonderful things for comics. <laughs> uh, the book debuted a week or two ago at the Small Press Expo. From what I understand, this is a wordless, kind of like those Jason books. Oh. So it's all done in like just very lush pictures. Interesting. Uh, and I think it looks great. Cool. I'm hoping I can get us a copy for review. That would be neat. I would like that. All right, Matt, we should probably get these ceremonial robes to the cleaners. They're getting a little ripe after that recent mole man blood sacrifice to our diamond rep. Now head over to twoheadednerd.com where you can pre-order those comics and more through our Amazon button. And tell us what you're excited to read next week. Not many people know it, but yes, Diamond does accept arcane black ritual paper comics. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. In fact, 
there is a hellmouth in the middle of their warehouse. <laughs> that is definitely <laughs> true. That's why you get boxes that are destroyed every once in a while. Stay out of Olive Branch, Tennessee. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me about it. Once a month, Joe and I sit down with a whole graphic novel to show our third grade teachers we don't need no pills to pay attention. We keep making the same ADD joke whenever this segment rolls around. You know that, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, it's always slightly different. <laughs> Sometimes we're taking drugs, you know. This month, Matt and I are discussing Angel Catbird, written by lauded novelist Margaret Atwood, with art by Johnny Christmas and colors by Tamara Bonvillain. Oh. Who very helpfully taught us how to pronounce her name. And I think you just said it wrong. No, she said it sounds just like Bond villain. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we were going like Bon de Villon. Bon Villon? No, <laughs> Bond villain. It's like, nope, Bond villain. It's from Dark Horse Comics. It's 112 pages for $14.99. Set him up, Joe. What's this thing about? Well, according to the solicit, Matt, this is a highly anticipated comic book and literary event of 2016. I don't know if you knew that. Wow. No, I was anticipating this. Okay. <laughs> a young genetic engineer is accidentally mutated by his own experiment when his DNA is merged with that of a cat and an owl. What follows is a humorous, action-driven, pulp-inspired, furry adventure with lots of cat buns. The furry part, I had it. Because it's oh, got... okay, gotcha. It's, like, it's like, a little bit furry. Yeah, I made a face like, what? <laughs> I don't remember that. So Margaret Atwood is considered one of our greatest living novelists. Yeah. She is very, very talented. Yeah, she wrote The Handmaid's Tale, The Heart Goes Last, Angel Cantbird, uh, Onyx and Drake. She's written a ton of books, and she is very, very well regarded as one of the like greatest... Novelist and poet. She even uh, has done some art. She's wonderful. She's talented. the real deal. In the introduction to this, she says she grew up reading comics... And she's not sure why she waited until she was 77 years old to write a comic book. Yeah. But this is her first shot at it. And I got to say, from page one, it became pretty obvious that this is her first shot at it. <laughs> I, I believe that she grew up reading comics. And she's 77 years old. And let's say she read comics. If I had to guess, I would say she stopped reading them when she was about five meaning the last thing that she read was somewhere around the mid to late 1940s. <laughs> because that is what this book feels like. Um, Everything feels completely dated. Okay, uh, so let me, let me put a different spin on this. Uh, if I'm understanding your meaning, uh, there is a simplicity... To the plot and the storytelling. Oh, it's more than simplistic. Uh, that borders on uh, childlike. Yes, absolutely. It started with the thought balloons. First of all, we don't see a lot of thought balloons anymore. They're, it's just sort of a dated thing. Some guys, some creators still use them, but not very often. She constantly hit us with thought balloons in this very golden age way that were so ridiculous. Ridiculous. Where the thought balloons are explaining everything. Blatantly yeah. explain. I am a bad guy with evil plans and I must not let them know. <laughs> I am a hapless good guy who just wants to do the right thing. You know, like, and oh my God. I was Boy, like, I'm hungry. Is it weird that I just ate that rat? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. It was delicious. It sure tasted good. You know, <laughs> and it just, it, 
it was so cloying in the first 10 pages that I was like, I don't know if I can read a whole book like this. <laughs> it's like, and let's talk about the character names for a second. Uh, yeah. uh, um, yes. Yes. I love I have, I have a comment real quick. Okay. His cat is named ding, right? Which is shr- short for Schrodinger. Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, and when he tells the, oh he tells, uh, his, the female protagonist, Katie Leone, it's Kate. Yeah. yeah Kate. Cause she's catty cat. Right. She's, uh, when he tells Kate, the female protagonist, that the cat's name is ding short for Schrodinger. She says, Oh, she, she mentions the experiment. Yeah. She's like, Oh, like the experiment. He's like, like the, oh, you know that experiment. You've heard of Schrodinger's cat. Give me a f- Everybody's <laughs> heard of Schrodinger's <laughs> Yeah, yeah like, and that is where my brain went. Oh, okay, I get what kind of story this is gonna be. Yeah, our, our main character's name is Strig Belidus. F E L E E D U S. And he sounds works dirty for a Doctor A Muroid. Okay, and I'll let you guess who the bad guy is. There, Doctor Muroid is this fat, ugly character that has a rat with a video camera strapped to its head that sits on his shoulder. So we know that the main character was hired by this super secret laboratory to work on this super secret serum that I guess is going to turn people into animals. Uh, It's very, very important because the main bad guy wants to make a harem of rat women to do his bidding and then one day take over the world. And we learn this literally the first time we meet him. He thinks this out loud. uh, This is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the story the story begins on page see we have a review copy here so there are no uh, the pages might not be exact but the story begins on page 15 because of the right. uh the forward and everything lengthy forward and on page 17 Dr. Muroid two pages in explains his entire yeah motivation the whole plan i mean everything about this was so just it's the least subtle comic book i have maybe yes. ever read i mean it was just trope after trope after trope fleetus discover goes home to work Strength. on i don't even fleetus. like saying it goes home to work on this serum and has a breakthrough at home not in the laboratory that he's working at this is not how science works and goes, by the way i finished it i put a little sodium bicarbonate in it which is like you can get sodium bicarbonate at the yeah, that's Alka Seltzer. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he's like, "It's all finished." Oh, my cat ran out of the house, uh, and I'm carrying my potion. So, the, and my cat is chasing a bird, and we all three get hit by a car, and I uh, fall in the liquid. Yeah, right. And turn into a cat bird man, like an that, angel cat bird, if you will. The dumbest, tropiest, laziest origin I can think of. The the developments in this comic are on par with the origin of bouncing boy from the legion of superheroes in the late 1950s yes whose origin is literally fat janitor walks into room sees serum sitting on counter thinks it's sugary soda and drinks it yeah because fat it's that dumb that's not even what gets me like the tropey stuff they interrupt the story constantly with these uh Cat PSAs. Yeah, yeah. There's like a little thing. Animal the, public service announcement. But it's yeah. not just animals. This guy is merged with an with a cat and a bird. We don't hear about the birds. All she does is tell us about cats. No, they talk about like the cats, like 
eating birds, thinning the bird population, and that's bad. Well, yeah, but still, it it becomes a giant PSA for keeping your kitty indoors at all times. At the bottom of the page is a little like black shaded cat, and it says like poison, poison everywhere. Did you know that cats are most human food is poisonous to cats? Don't feed them your human food. Like what the. F- are we doing <laughs> what am i reading and the dialogue the dialogue is so bad it's full of these terrible puns <sighs> okay and even, right, when right. not, even when they're not throwing out puns there's like a part where later on uh strig meets these other cat people yes wait okay and this can i talk about after, this hold on this i want to talk about the cat people one second we'll get there after this is after he's developed a reputation of not wanting to eat birds, but he will eat rats and not feel about it. And they go, he meets them and they say to him, Hey, it's the wussy bird saver. And then another one goes, we don't want your kind here. Suck. That's the end of the sentence. We don't want your kind here. Comma suck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Who, what the f- man? <laughs> uh, so the cat, the cat people, the, the, the were cats, I don't know. Uh, no, just cat people, please. Uh, the three other cat people, the primary cat people yes. are named Allie, because of Allie cat, Tom, because of Tom cat. Are you ready? Yeah. And cataclysm. <laughs> Why is the third? Cat's name Cataclysm. Cat. Oh my Cataclysm. god! Yeah, it's Cataclysm. This even Johnny Christmas, whose art I like, I, I liked his work on Shelter. I've liked him and other stuff. His anthropomorphic work here is bad. I, it, I don't agree. It I think it's silly. I think the art is good. I think it's silly at best. Well, I think that that's on purpose. I though. do. I understand, but it made me hate the book even more. This comes off as a cute attempt by an old lady to write comics as she as she remembers them back in the corny golden age of comics. Atwood is considered to be one of the greatest living novelists of our time. So why, why write this piece? This was a piece of Joe. I couldn't finish it i had to stop i hated it so much i got about three quarters of the way through this and went done i hate this this is so stupid well, then your review is invalidated it was one log cat pun and bad joke after another complete with psas of how to take care of your kitties and strangely no love for birds at all um <laughs> and, and it just sucked well did you get far enough into the book to meet the cast of cat monsters this is exactly where i stopped yes uh there is a dracula cat god his name is dr catula or count catula i'm sorry Count catula uh and for no good goddamn reason whatsoever he is a vampire bat cat hybrid yeah why is he a vampire (laughs) this this just comes off as like somebody gave grandma some edible marijuana (laughs) and she sat down and wrote a funny little story and now we meet a guy kind of it isn't that fun yay you guys i hated this i'm giving it the biggest leave it i can possibly give it okay just because you're a novelist doesn't mean you can write comics sorry it doesn't always transfer i'm trying very hard uh to not be too nice i don't want to like be too nice just to be nice about it because i feel bad if that makes sense, I want to be ob- I want to be objective. You feel bad for one of the most successful no- female novelists of our time, right? Like I don't want to like pick on <laughs> the, the poor lady. Poor old woman. I, I, I want to be I want to be objective, and I want to be. Um, well, I'm I'm not saying she is not talented. No, no, I'm saying this is not good, and uh, it doesn't matter who wrote it. But I, I'm just saying that because I do want to say 
that it does have a charm to it that if it's your cup of tea, you might enjoy it. It is not my cup of tea. I don't enjoy it. God. I don't enjoy it. The puns. Yes, puns. Uh, the, the funny thing about puns is that they're such obvious jokes. But when you have nothing but puns for the entire book, that it just becomes meaningless. Yeah, it's almost like you don't understand humor. <laughs> it's, it's, you're, not, you're not trying to not try to be funny anymore. You're just not funny. I, I think that they missed an opportunity with this book. I think they could have made this into like a fun all ages animal superhero book. Yeah, and that's, what, that, that's where it's it falls got some down. really odd like tonal inconsistencies where it's very simple and childlike and blah right. blah blah and then all of a sudden there's a scene where like he's spraying his piss on things yeah kate makes a reference to being in heat and maybe when she's in heat she'll let him have sex with her yeah it's like it's just like it's like a roadblock yeah when you hit those moments where it's like man this could have been like a super cute Kids book about a cat, bird, animal, superhero, man. Well, if you're going to write it like this, then that's what you have to do. And right. And because they didn't go all in in that direction, I think it is a failure. Absolutely. I think it might have some charm for you, for some people out there. Not, I didn't mean for you, you people. <laughs> for you people. <laughs> for some people. I you think, cat people you, on Instagram. <laughs> you might find something to like about it. I did not. I read the whole book. There's it ends on a cliffhanger. This this is going to be serialized, which means there's going to be another chapter oh, thank God. where they go to Count Catula's Dracula Castle. Please don't ever say that. To out hide again. from Doctor Ratface, whatever the uh, name was. I, I don't care. Yeah, this, I, this makes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles look like the Handmaiden's Hill. You know, <laughs> I mean, like really. <laughs> and it's like I have lots of respect for. Margaret Atwood and what she's done and all the work she's done for the art community. Um, I don't understand why an editor at dark horse didn't read this and go, hold up, hold up a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, just lie. Just be like, Oh, we don't have enough budget to pay you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we can't put it out. Oh. I'm giving this a leave it. I, I, I hate to be a jerk, but it's, it was not great. You're not being a jerk because this was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go. you're being truthful. This this might was be the first terrible. But this might be the first take a look book we've ever given. I think it is day. like a complete takedown. We've done some skimmits, but I think this is the first complete takedown we've done. It's a mess, you Joe. Guys. What are we reading next month for take a look? It's in a book. Well, next month I want. I'm hoping to get a, a copy of Light, but uh, you also wanted to do the, that one summer. I so. think we should do it. We'll see what we can get our hands yeah, on. Yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting. So we know what to expect for this Hulk book. If I can get us a copy, we'll do that one summer. Right on. If not, we'll do light. I am dying. You guys, we are dying to know what you thought of Angel Catbird. Yeah. Please, please come on to the boards and tell us why we are monstrous fools. Or for tearing apart this old lady. Don't waste your time and spend your money on something else. <laughs> you can go to the THN forums. Tell us what you thought of this book. Give us uh, suggestions for books to read. Uh, we try to stay current with Take a Look, It's in a Book, so something from this year, but not necessarily. Yeah. So if you have a must-read that you'd like to hear our take on, let us know. Sort of break it, break it down like this. 
That is it for THN episode 265. If you dig podcasts that almost didn't get recorded, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app while you're there. Please, please leave us ratings, leave us some reviews, give us thumbs up or hearts or whatever, because it moves us up in the search algorithms and it helps us get discovered by other potential listeners. Thanks to all of our donors. And if you want to keep the Eagle 5 rolling on the Straight Shooter Campaign Tour, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. You can become a sustaining member by simply checking the box that says make this donation monthly when you donate. As little as a dollar a month helps us out. And if you're one of those poor bastards that doesn't have a local comic shop, you can shop for all of your funny books through our Amazon button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Right now, it's just a link in the show notes. We are working on getting an actual button on the website. Well, we're going to get a whole new website. And when you shop at Amazon through the link on our page, we get a little kickback from it. It doesn't cost you any extra. It just takes a little bit of pocket change from Jeff Bezos. There you go. Up your butt, Jeff. Yeah. And you know what else is at 2 What's that, Joe Patrick? A wonderful interview with occasional love slave Tony Doug Wright about his new book, Day 165. Tony Doug Wright of Champion City Comics. He's got a new project about uh, a weird war story oh, cool. about uh, the strange things oh, that yeah, happened yeah, yeah. to the soldiers on the 165th day of their service. It looks awesome. It's uh, gotten picked up by Source Forge Press, I believe is the name of it. Cool. I did an interview with him. We wanted him on the show. Obviously, our schedules were thrown into complete catastrophe due to Meatball Madness. It's a website exclusive. It is a website exclusive. And Go there now. I believe if you are hearing this, as soon as it has been published... He still has a couple of days left in his Kickstarter. Cool. If you want to yell at us personally, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com where you can find links to all our contact info via Periscope, via Twitter, via YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, and more importantly, there you will find the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Use it to answer the question of the week, but you can also use it to play along with any of our other segments. Uh, This just in three days left to go in TDW's Kickstarter. Okay, there you go. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Mad Bombs Spotify Profile. Before we go, a weekly shout-out goes to Rodolfo Guzman Huerta, a.k.a. El Santo, the greatest luchador that ever lived. This past Friday would have been El Santo's 99th birthday. Word to you, mi amigo. <laughs> I love Santo. I wrote that just for you. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might kill your favorite aging wrestler. Santo died of natural causes. Don't let everybody settle down. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. If anybody hurts Brutus the Barber Beefcake, so help me God. <laughs> Come for you. There's not a place you can hide. <laughs> I'm not